and uh, man, it's just been an awesome, awesome week. We, uh, last week, we started 21 days of fasting and prayer, and if you, didn't, if you didn't jump in yet, I want to encourage you to do that. It's awesome. God shows up in your life when you give up something that's close to you so that you can gain something that's even more important to you. And I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, just take a minute. Give up social media. You can give up a meal here or there. Uh, you can give up sweets or television or anything that's, that's like you give a lot of attention to. Give that up and give it to God. Every time you go to do that thing, start praying and watch what God will do in your life over the next two weeks. I want to encourage you. Even if you haven't jumped in yet, jump in. Uh, over the next two weeks and see God do something in your life. I just, as a personal testimony, I can promise you, already seeing God move in my life, already seeing my spirit get quieted, and um, man, the Lord is, uh, he's, he's at work. And it's clear that he's at work, at least as it relates to football. Come on, somebody. Because the Chiefs got a W. The Chiefs got a W. And I, I, I know you don't care about this, but my Michigan Wolverines got a W. National champions. Now if we can all just put our collective prayers together and pray tonight for the Detroit Lions. Come on. Come on. I just want you to know I'm not even being greedy. I'm not asking for the NFC Championship. I'm not asking for a Super Bowl. I'm asking for one playoff win. Who can agree with me? Can anybody put some of that Chiefs momentum and pray that the 3-1-3 will get a playoff win? Okay. All right. Anyways. Um. But I do believe that God's working, he's moving, and I hope that, he's, uh, that you're experiencing that. If you haven't jumped in on the fast, do that. It's going to be awesome. Uh, last week, we started a three-week mini-series that we're, that we're doing to start off the year, and we've called it Battle Ready, being battle ready. Now, as we're talking about this, even though we're using a little bit of the military motif, we're not talking about military battles, although I do love studying a good military battle. Anybody else like nerding out on World War II documentaries? Anybody else out there just love seeing that stuff? I mean, I love watching a good History Channel documentary on World War II, and you see all the different battles and the strategies and, the, and how it was like, this general did this at this time, and if he wouldn't have done this at this time, then the whole thing would have just like gone, to, you know, it wouldn't have worked out. I love seeing that stuff. Um, one of the guys who was, was renowned in World War II is a guy named William Halsley uh, Fleet Admiral William Housley Jr. Let me show you a picture of this guy because I'm just telling you, that's a dude right there. Come on, somebody. That's a dude. He was the commander of the Allied Forces, led the Allied Forces in the Battle of Guadalcanal, and uh, ultimately ended up being uh, just securing the, the whole Asia uh, Pacific um, uh, victories. And he said this this was his battle strategy. This was his battle strategy. Hit hard. Hit first, hit often. That's what I'm talking about right there. Come on, how many know if that dude, if that dude got in front of you and you know, you and all the other soldiers and he said, hit hard, hit first, hit often, you're like, yeah, let's go do it. And they did it. Come on, somebody. They did it. We won. I don't know if you guys knew this. We won World War II. We won World War II, and it was because, of a, because it was a battle plan that made a, a whole military battle ready. And we're not talking about military battles in this series, but we are talking about the battles of life, which, which all of us face. We face marriage challenges. We face financial difficulties, uh, health problems, parenting in general, Parenting teenagers in particular. Come on, somebody. 
Like we face battles. We're all going to face battles sooner or later. And the question is, what are we going to do when those battles come? What do you do? Let me just ask you right now. What do you do when those battles come? Because how many of you know they are going to come? So what do you do? What is your strategy? What is your plan? What do you, how are you going to respond? Are you going to freak out? You're going to lash out? You're going to go like just put your head in the sand and just hope like it just goes away? You know, you have to have a plan if you're going to be battle ready. And so that's what we're talking about in the series. We're talking about having a plan so that we can be battle ready. And let me just encourage you as you begin this year. And this is, this, I want to encourage you with this because it's true. God doesn't want you just to survive your battles. He wants you to thrive in your battles. He wants you to win. He wants you to be victorious in your battles. He has given you victory. And let me, let me show you what, how Jesus puts it. He doesn't promise us a perfect life, but he says that he will be with us. Look at this. Uh, John chapter 16 and verse 33. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. You're going to have trouble. You're gonna, your tires are going to go flat. Your pipes are going to freeze. I'm not speaking that over anybody, but your pipes are going to freeze. The interest rates will stink. The election season will get crazy. I mean, he's saying you will have trouble, but he says, look at this, take heart. Everybody say, take heart. heart. Come on, everybody with strength say, take heart. Take heart. I have overcome the world. That's what Jesus says. Even before he goes to the cross, he's like, listen, I've already overcome it. I've already overcome it. And this is the sentiment that the apostle Paul ties into in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And he says, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, exclamation point, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. God gives you victory. God wants you to walk in victory this year. Do you believe that? He wants you to experience victory in the battles that you face and the struggles that you go through. He's not promising a perfect life, but he's saying, I will be with you and I want you to, I want to help you overcome them. He can't change someone else's heart necessarily, but he can work on them, but he can help you to be an overcomer even as you deal with the realities of this life. And so we're looking to the word of God and we're looking for battle plans. We're looking for battle strategies so that we can be battle ready. And so we're in this three-week mini-series and we're looking at King Jehoshaphat, and he, he gives us, this guy just gives us a clinic. His, his life, his biopic, gives us a clinic on how to overcome battles and to be battle ready. Three different nations gang up to come attack him in Second Chronicles chapter 20, and he is way outnumbered. We looked at this last week. We introduced it. If you missed it, you can catch up online. But he's way outnumbered. He is way overwhelmed, and he calls the nation to pray. He calls the nation to fast. And then God gives them a word, and it's this. The battle is not yours. It's God's. See, this is the confidence that any follower of Jesus has. If you're a follower of God, you can know that God's got you. God's got this. He's with you. He's for you. And they go on to experience a really cool victory, which we're going to look at next week. So make sure you come back next week because we're going to finish up this miniseries. But J-Fat, we're going to call him J-Fat just for sure. J-Fat's life, both in that moment and an earlier moment, we're going to look at today, show us three things that I believe that if we will apply to our life, we can be battle ready. Number one is to pray the way. Number two is to stay true to the word. And number three is to win with worship. So that's the series that we're looking at. Pray the way, stay true to the word, and win with worship. And so last week, we introduced it by talking about how to pray the way and how to, the first step in overcoming any battle is realizing that you don't have the power to face that battle, but that you need God. And when you go to God, he responds to you. 
so that when we pray, God responds because he cares for us. And this, this week, we're gonna talk about staying true to the word. And this, we see this get played out in an earlier moment in Japhat's life, all right? Second Chronicles chapter 18. So if you have your Bibles, we're gonna go back two chapters from Second Chronicles chapter 20. So open up your phones, turn to your Bibles, Second Chronicles chapter 18. And it's this very interesting story where Japhat hears from God and yet ignores what God says, and it goes bad for him because of it. And, and he allies himself with the wicked king of the north named Ahab. Things don't go well. And he learns a valuable lesson that I believe he applies two chapters later in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. So I want to look at this lesson, 2 Chronicles chapter 18. We're going to learn how to stay true to the word. If you're ready to jump in, say, I am. I am. All right, here we go, 2 Chronicles 18. Now, Jehoshaphat had great wealth and honor, and he allied himself with Ahab by marriage. Now, everybody say, uh-oh. This is where it goes bad for him. This is where it goes bad for him, because he allies himself with someone who's evil. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Who you surround yourself is who you will become. Who you are surrounded by is who you are becoming. And it's where you will go. If you surround yourself with people who love God, you're gonna generally find yourself being more interested in loving God. If you find yourself in, uh, surrounded by people who don't love God, you, won't, you will find yourself not loving God. That's just how it works. Let me just take a moment to plug small groups, okay? Starting up in just a few weeks. Okay, small groups starting up. If you're not in a group, make sure you get in a group because, man, you want to be surrounded by people who will help you find and follow Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen? All right, so that's what King Ahab does not do. Or that's, I'm sorry, what Japhat does not do. He surrounds himself with King Ahab, and it goes bad for him. And you can see in verse 2, some years later, he went down to see Ahab in Samaria. Again, he allies himself through marriage with Ahab. Now he's going to go hang out with him. And man, it's going to go bad. When you, when you surround yourself with negative people, you're going to be negative. When you surround yourself with bad people, it's going to go bad for you. And this is exactly what happens. And so Ahab slaughtered many sheep and cattle for him and the people with him and urged him to attack Ramoth Gilead. So Ahab's buttering up Jehoshaphat. He's like, oh, man, I love you. Let me give you all this food. Let me give you all this barbecue. You know there's never better way man, to a man's heart than a little bit of barbecue. Come on, somebody. So Ahab knows this. And he's like, all right, let me cook you up some stuff. Let me cook you up some, some sheep. Let me cook you up some cow. And he's like, man, will you come to battle with me? Will you go attack Ramoth Gilead with me? And Ahab, king of Israel, asked Jehoshaphat, will you go? And Jehoshaphat replied, he's like, you know what? This barbecue's so good. And you know what? We're allied by marriage. He says, I am as you are, and my people as your people. We will join you in the war. But Jehoshaphat also said to the king of Israel, first seek the counsel of the Lord. Ding, 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 gold star. Way to go, Jehoshaphat. You are prioritizing. Good job. This is exactly what you need to be doing. He's like, hey, you know what? Hey, you know what? I'm with you, man. This sounds great. I got your back, bro. You know, you're in it. I'm in it. But can we ask God what he thinks first? Verse five. So the king of Israel brought together the prophets, 400 men, and asked them, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or shall I not? Now, 400 is a lot of people, right? But these are not prophets of God. We actually don't even know what kind of prophets they are. 
We don't know if they're prophets of Baal, they're false prophets, they're not serving the Lord. And so what they say is not what God says, they say what the king wants to hear. Now we could do a whole sermon just on that right there. Surrounding yourself with people who only tell you what you wanna hear. It's never good, because eventually we're gonna get the wrong answer, right? All right, I know it's first service, everybody. And I know it's negative eight, but I'm going to need a little bit more from you. If we surround ourselves with, with people who only tell us what we want to hear, it's going to go bad for us, right? Okay, there we go. So watch what they say. Go, they answered, for God will give it into the king's hand. Like, sure, Ahab, sounds great. And you know what I thought about, I was thinking about this. They're probably thinking, what's the worst that can happen to us? If he wins, they're right. If he loses, he dies anyway, so there's no consequences for them. Do you know what I'm saying? So they're like, yeah, sure, go for it. Yeah, Ahab, Ahab, he's our man. If he can't do it, no one can. Go, Ahab. That's what they're saying. But Jehoshaphat sees through this. He's like, nah, nah, these people don't follow God. This is not God's word. Look at verse six. But Jehoshaphat asked, is there no longer a prophet of the Lord here whom we can inquire of? He's like, is there no one who still speaks truth? Is there no one who really cares about what God thinks anymore? See, Jehoshaphat's in this interesting situation because he's partnered with this dude who is not good. And yet there's something inside of him that still wants to do the right thing. Anybody relate? Anybody find themselves, everybody, anybody ever find themselves in a compromising situation? And yet your heart's still like, no, I, I still want to do the right thing. That's Jehoshaphat. He's like, no, no, but hey, before we go into battle, let's, 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 call, let's call it to God. Verse 7 says, the king of Israel answered Jehoshaphat, there is still one prophet through whom we can inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. because he never prophesies anything good about me. <laughs> Always bad. He's Micaiah. He never wants to tell me what I want to hear. He only tells me what God says. And Jehoshaphat says, the king should not say such a thing. So the, verse eight, so the king of Israel called one of his officials and said, bring Micaiah, son of Imlah, at once. He's like, all right, bring him in. In the meantime, we're gonna skip down a few verses. In the meantime, more prophets continue to say, oh yeah, go do it. Go do it, guys. God's with you. And then there's this, this very interesting interaction where like with the guy who goes to get Micaiah is like, hey, make sure you tell the king exactly what he wants to hear. And Micaiah's like, I'm only gonna say what God says. And so they come, they bring Micaiah, and then look at verse 14. When he arrived, the king asked him, Micaiah, Shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I not? And sarcastically, Micaiah goes, attack and be victorious, for they will be given into your hand. And the king knows he's being sarcastic. The king says, how many times must I make you swear to tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? And then Micaiah says this, I saw all Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, these people have no master. Let each one go home in peace. He's saying, if you go to war, the shepherd ain't coming back. And so there's a very interesting interchange in the next few verses. Micaiah, the king doesn't like it. The king puts Micaiah in prison. Verse 27 says this. He says, 
if you ever return safely, the Lord has not spoken through me. Then he added, mark my words, all you people. So as they're carrying Micaiah, this guy who just spoke truth, off to jail. He's like, I'm gonna tell you, you're gonna die. You're gonna die. Everybody look. He's gonna die. And if he comes back, then I have not spoken the truth. And, and guess what? That's exactly what happens. In fact, Ahab tries to trick God. Ahab tries to trick God by dressing up like a common soldier instead of being like dressing up like in his royal robes going into battle. He dresses like a common soldier so that they don't try to take him out. Look at this in verse 30. Now the king of Aram had ordered the chariot commanders, do not fight with anyone small or great except the king of Israel. And when the chariot commanders saw Jehoshaphat, they thought, this is the king of Israel. So they turned to attack him, but Jehoshaphat cried out. We don't know what he cried out. Did he cry out, ah, or did he cry out, God help me, or no, I'm not the king, it's him. I, we don't know what he cried out. But he cried out, and they stopped chasing him. And the, it says, the Lord helped him. And God drew them away from him. For when the chariot commanders saw that he was not the king of Israel, they stopped pursuing him. But then someone, watch this, y'all. This is so cool. But when someone drew his bow at random and hit the king of Israel between the breastplate. So he's, he looks like a normal soldier, and he's hanging at the back, most probably. And someone just randomly shoots this arrow up, and it randomly, come on, somebody, just randomly randomly hits between the breastplate and the scale armor. And then the king told the chariot driver, wheel around and get me out of the fighting. I've been wounded. And all day long, the battle raged. And the king of Israel propped himself up in his chariot, facing the Arameans until evening. Then at sunset, he died. It's crazy, right? This is a very interesting story because they seek what God says and yet they go against what God says and it costs Ahab his life. It almost cost Japhat his life. But I believe it's this, it's this lesson, this very valuable lesson that two chapters later, Japhat learns from and applies and because of it, he experiences great victory. And this is the lesson that you, we can apply to our life is we gotta stay true to the word. You got to stay true to the word. And when you stay true to the word, you can have victory. Let me give you three thoughts from this passage. Number one, God's word is true. Pastor Roger believes so. Let me try again, everybody. God's word is true. That's good. Come on, that's easy. That's low-hanging fruit preaching right there. God's word isn't popular, and God's word is worth trusting. It's worth trusting. It's true. It's not popular, but man, is it worth trusting? And I want to tease these ideas over the next few moments, and I believe it's going to help us stay true to the word. Before we do, I want you to find at least six people next to you, as close as you can, and say, hey, what you really need to do is stay true. Come on. Find six people and say, what you need to do is stay true. Stay true. First thing that we see here is God's word is true. You know, Jehoshaphat realizes this right from the beginning because he's like, hey, listen, I know we got all these prophets. You got 400 people. There's a lot of noise. But can we find someone who still speaks the truth? And can I just pause for a moment and just say, truth is what we need. It's what we need. It's what I need. It's what you need. 
It's what we need. We need the truth because in truth, there is power. In truth, there is clarity. In truth, there is freedom. Let me show you what Jesus says in John chapter 8. He says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you, come on somebody, free. He says, when you know the truth, you can experience freedom. See, all of us need a standard, right? We need a standard. We need, we need something more than just our opinions or, or somebody else's opinions or our emotions. Now, emotions are given by God. Thank God for emotions. Life would be very bland without emotions. But emotions and truth are not the same. And let me just tell us all together, that's why the world is so confused right now. Because the world, in large part, has allowed their emotions to determine their values, and because of it, their values are all over the place. And how many of you know emotions change, feelings change, trends change, right? Like, when my mom and dad were growing up, bell-bottoms were cool. Someone's having a revival, a memory revival. Like, no, they were like, like, that was like, no, if you don't, if you're not wearing them, you're not cool. And then when, when I was growing up, like, the original mom jeans were cool. Like, the 80s mom jeans were cool. Like, anybody remember that? Gap? Remember when Gap was cool? Back in the 80s. And so, like, mom jeans were cool. And then, can anybody remember bootleg jeans were cool? Bootleg jeans were really cool. That was really cool. And, and then Janko jeans were cool. Like just big, like dress pants. And then, and, then, and then they weren't cool anymore. And then skinny jeans were cool. And then they're not cool anymore. And then mom jeans are cool again. Unfortunately. It changes. It changes. Like, because opinions change, feelings change, emotions change. And that's why the world is all over the place. That's why the world's saying, well, I don't know, what should we do? How should we think? Why are you even here? Am I a boy, a girl, a dog, a cat, a fish, or me? But I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And it's left them utterly confused. Right? Because there's no standard. But what we need is a true standard. What we need is the word of God. We need more than pop psychology or man's opinion. We need the word of God. It's powerful and it helps us know right from wrong. It shows us the way. Look at Psalm 119. It says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. How many, how many need direction this year? You want to know which way to go? Get into the word of God. Get into the word of God. It sustains us. Matthew 4 it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Do you need encouragement today? Are you going to need encouragement this year? Yes, you are. There's going to be some great days. You're feeling awesome. And there's going to be some days you don't feel so good. So you got to be in the word of God. The word of God brings clarity. Hebrews chapter 4, for the word of God is alive and and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. See, the word of God says, no, 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 no. Hey, that's just your emotion right now. That's just your feeling right now. That's not true. That's a lie. 
when you know the word of God and you let the word of God penetrate every aspect of your life, you will be able to understand what is right and what is wrong. It brings protection against temptation. Psalm 119 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And if you're going to face temptation this year. You will face temptation this year. How are you going to go about facing that temptation? Man, you got the word of God in your heart. You are going to stand strong. Here's, here's something, and maybe it's true, but I've never seen it to be true. I've never seen someone have a moral failure who has been in the word of God actively every single day. Never met them. Anybody who's had a moral failure, anybody who's cheated on their spouse, no one's, no one's done that and been actively in the word of God every day, Penetra- letting it penetrate their soul, letting it really work on them. The word of God will keep us from the things that we don't want to be a part of, the temptations that the enemy wants to bring our way. And, and what's cool about the word of God is that it, it just speaks one of the things I love about being a pastor is when, when, when someone will come up and they'll say like, oh man, that really spoke to me. And I'll be like, well, what spoke to you about it? Because I'm, I, 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 that's what I want to know. Like what actually, what actually spoke to you? And they'll be like, oh, it's, it's when you said this. And, and sometimes it will be what, what I said or, what, or maybe what we read. But a lot of times it's something completely unrelated. And they'll be like, remember when you said this? And I was like, I never said that. You know, you know who said it? God. We were using God's word, we were reading God's word, and all of a sudden God spoke something through God's word, even while I was talking, and all of a sudden the spirit came in and started pushing on some stuff. That's what happens when we get into the word of God. It's, it's so powerful, and that's why I just try to load our messages with as many verses as possible. I don't want you to leave thinking, I don't want you to leave hearing my word, I want you to hearing, leave hearing God's word, because that's what will change you, the word of God. It's true, but the reality is not everybody's going to like it. The word of God is not popular. It's not popular. The word of God convicts us, challenges us, it prods us, it shows us where we've missed things, where we're wrong. Because of that, it's not popular because people don't like being told they're wrong. In fact, let's just do this for a moment. Can you turn to the person next to you and just tell them they're wrong? Just tell them right now. Just everybody in this place, just look and say, you're wrong. How did that feel? How did that feel? Some of you enjoyed saying that too much, I will say that. But it didn't feel very good hearing it. But see, this is where Ahab gets himself into trouble because he's only interested in what he wants to hear. I mean, can you imagine going into battle and saying, you know what, I'm not interested in good intel, I just want false intel. No, you want, you want to know, we want to know what God says. Who would knowingly put themselves in a battle position going against what God says? Who would do something so reckless? All of us. All of us. And when we hear God's word and we go against it, we don't do it, we don't meditate on it, we don't think about it, we know, like, you know what, I know I should be generous, but I'm going to be stingy. I know I, I, know I uh, shouldn't uh, engage in that, but I'm going to go ahead and do that. When we go against what the, Lord, word, what the Lord has said through the word of God, we're putting ourselves in a very dangerous situation, but it's, it's because we don't really like being told we're wrong. Because it's not popular. It's not popular to tell people there's one way to heaven. 
It's not popular to tell people there's a right and wrong way to do marriage. It's not popular to tell people that learn, looking at porn is sinful and hurtful. It's not popular. Have I offended anybody yet? You, I can keep going. Like the word of God will at some point is going to offend you and it's going to tell you that you're wrong and it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to be told that we're wrong. But how many of you know it hurts more to be wrong? It hurts more to be wrong than to be told that you're wrong. And that's why we have to have a desire for truth. It's not popular. Look at what Psalm 1 says. This is just the value of the word of God. I love this verse. It says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on it day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Come on, doesn't that sound like a good life? Doesn't that sound like a life you want to have in 2024? A life of flourishing, a life of prospering. But watch, he contrasts this with the person who doesn't look to the word of God. He says, verse four, not so the wicked, they're like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Here's the reality. When we go against the word of God, when we do our own things, man, it's not gonna go well for us. It may be popular, but it's gonna end badly. How many know Romans talks about this? Talks about how like there is a, there is a current, there is a path that the world is taking, and it is not a good path. If, if you feel a little too comfortable because your opinion is really popular, you might check yourself. Because you... Because the way of the world is not the way of God. And, and we're going to find ourselves like this guy does in Psalm. But here's what we are learning. And it's this. God's word is worth trusting. God's word is worth trusting. It's true. It's not popular. But man, is it worth trusting? Imagine if Jehoshaphat would have, upon hearing from God, hearing from God, that, oh man, the king of Israel is gonna die. Like, this battle isn't good. Like, we probably shouldn't do this right now. We probably should stay home. Hey, Ahab, let's not go pick a fight with Ramoth Gilead. Let's not do that. Doesn't sound like a good idea. Imagine if he would have listened to God's word. There would have been so much less needless pain. Oh, come on, somebody. That will preach. That will preach. If we listen to God, there is less needless pain if we apply God's word to our heart there is less needless how many know life is painful enough we don't need to make it any more painful man God gives us a way to walk in flourishing less needless pain when we trust the word of God second chronicles chapter 20 go back to our passage that we started this series on I believe that Jehoshaphat learned something very valuable from this interaction with King Ahab. He's like, oh man, I don't want to do that. I do not want to go back to that again. Second Chronicles chapter 20. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. You do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. He's like, hey, listen, God's with you. God's gonna fight this battle for you. Here's what I want you to do, though. I want you to go out 
and in faith believe that God's gonna do something great. And we're gonna look at this next week. It's gonna be powerful. God gives him a victory. It's amazing. But he hears that, and what does he do? He's learned that when God speaks, I respond. When God tells me to do something, I'm going to do it. Watch what Jehoshaphat does, verse 18. He says, um, or he does this. He actually does it. He doesn't say anything. He does it. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Before the Lord. He's like, you know what? I'm going to bow down. I'm going to trust God, and I'm going to respond. God's telling me that I need to, need to trust him, I'm gonna trust him. God's telling me I need to believe, I'm gonna believe. God's telling me I need to pray, I'm gonna pray. He learns his lesson, and let me just tell you, this is what I'm trying to, this is what I'm trying to get across to all of us today, is that in order to be battle ready, we have got to stay true to the word. You're gonna have some battles this year. You're gonna have some battles that are just brought upon you, and probably you're gonna have some battles that you bring upon yourself. It's just how it goes. We're gonna fight some battles. We're gonna have some battles. But man, if we are in the word of God, we've got a chance. We've got a chance not to allow those things to define us or destroy us. We've got a chance to rise up and be overcomers. Pray the way and we stay true to the word. How are you gonna stay true to the word? You gotta be in the word. You gotta be in the word. As a church, we're going through the one-year Bible. And if you're not doing that with us yet, I wanna encourage you to jump in and, and you can join us. You can catch up if you get aggressive. Because we're only, what day's date? 14, 14 days in. You'd have to be a bit aggressive, but 14 days, you can do it. God's with you. Give up a few hours of TV, you can catch up. Go through the Bible with us. And if not, just start today. Just start today. Go through the Bible in a year and watch what God will do in your heart. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to read in the morning and then I'm trying to listen to the same passage a couple of times throughout the day and then before I go to bed, one more time, boom, just get it in me. Like I'm just trying to just ruminate, ruminate. I mean, I, maybe, maybe I could go two, three times through the Bible this year like because I'm hungry. I'm hungry for God. I'm hung, I, I want, I believe all this stuff. I believe, I believe everything that we've been talking about. I believe that God wants to bring blessing into our life, give us victory. I also believe the enemy wants to take it from us. We've got to stay true to the word, and we've got to be, and, we've, and, we, and our flesh works against us too. So we've got to fight. We've got to fight smart. We've got to be in the word. And if we are, I believe this year we can be ready to fight, fight the battles that we face. You know, when, when um, the iPhone first came out, some of you remember this. They had this thing, like, they had this little phrase, like, there's an app for that. How many of you remember? There's an app for that. Remember that? There's an app for that. And it turns out there was. It's like, whatever you need, there's an app for it. And if not, someone's going to think of it real quick, you know, and they're going to come out with it. It's like crazy. Like, everything is there. Like, you can get apps for everything. The reality is, the Bible's way better than Apple. And there is a verse for that. There is a verse for that. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, whatever struggle you're dealing with, if you've got anxiety, there's a verse for that. If you're struggling with lust, there's a verse for that. If you're struggling in relationships, there's a verse for that. In fact, there's a lot of verses. There's books for that. Whole books of the Bible, and it's right there. 
right there in the Bible. It's right there. And if we will get the Bible inside of us, just chew on it, meditate on it, then it'll transform us. Last verse. Worship team, come. We'll get ready to close. One of my favorite verses. God says to Joshua, as he is getting ready to go into the promised land. So again, Joshua's taking over from Moses. Old Testament stuff here for those of you who knew the Bible. Moses leads the people out of Israel. I'm sorry, out of Egypt. He's going to go to the promised land. His time is over. He's passing it on to Joshua. Joshua's scared. What am I supposed to do? I don't know how to lead these people. Like, I don't know what to do, God. God comes to him and says, hey, listen, you will be prosperous and successful if you stay true to the word. Look at this. In fact, will you stand to your feet? And we'll read it together as you stand to your feet. And I want to speak this over you. I want to speak this over you. I want you to speak this over your heart and over your family today. Okay? Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. I believe that's God's word, not just to Joshua, but to you and me today. Just meditate. 